Are you waiting for everything to be perfect before you decide to enjoy life? Stop waiting. Start living. Welcome to Life in 22 Minutes with Scott and Becky McIntosh, where you will hear inspiring stories from imperfect people living life with courage, humor, and a whole lot of love, despite challenging circumstances to bring hope to your heart and a smile to your face in only 22 minutes. Now, let's welcome the host of the show, Scott and Becky McIntosh. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Life in 22 Minutes. We are really excited to introduce you to our special guest, Trey Hatch. She has been a friend of ours for a a long time. Trey inspires audiences throughout the world to be healthy and free of a body, body battle by rewriting inner monologues and living true desires. Body, peace, and freedom from negative self-talk are core principles that Trey shares with audiences around the world. As a TV chef, speaker, and an acclaimed author, her journey began as she overcame a lifelong struggle to lose 110 pounds without dieting. And more remarkably, developed a happy relationship with food. She chronicles this journey in her book, Miracle Peel, 10 Truths to Healthy, Thin, and Sexy. And she's working on a new book that we'll talk about a little bit later in the show. But for now, welcome Trey Hatch. Well, thank you. It's great to be with you both. Well, it's good to have you. It's fun to see you again. Uh, I thought of something as Becky was reading your introduction. Uh, the, the, the old saying, never trust a skinny chef. So you are a <laughs> chef. And, and it's funny that it says there in the same sentence that you lost 110 pounds, but you're That's a true. TV chef. So That's true. explain that. How does that work? <laughs> well, I prefer to be a happy chef and someone who's not having an inner battle. And and you both are so particularly gorgeous and perfect examples of health. I, I don't know if our listeners know this about you, but you both are just wonderful, wonderful, gorgeous, healthy people. People who battle their bodies may show it on the outside or they might not. But they don't think the same as people who take it for granted that they eat when they're hungry and they don't when they don't want it. People who battle their bodies and have food issues, they worry about the holidays are coming up or I'm going to go on a trip and oh no, will I gain weight or I have an event coming up, what will I wear? So there's a process of energy being used up by people who have a private shadow self uh, issue with food. And in terms of being a chef, to be able to come from a a perspective where I love food, I live to eat. I was brought to this earth for the food. There's just no doubt about it. (laughs) Chocolate is vitamin CH. Let's just be honest. (laughs) To reconcile that with the health camp, the food camp where I love to put butter and everything, and the health camp where we don't have to have um, a battle going on as we enjoy and celebrate one of the most wonderful aspects of being a human, which is that we get to have yummy, delicious food multiple times a day. To reconcile that, that's a beautiful place of peace and balance. And it's not what we in society ask for. So much of the time, we are limiting our focus to, oh, if I can just get to a size six, or oh, if I could just drop the last 20, or oh, whatever. And, and it's very now, instead of actually asking for the, the golden egg, which is, you know, I'd like to be at an ideal weight and never have to struggle for it. I mean, can we actually right. have that? And the answer is absolutely yes. I've gone on to lose, you know, a total of 130 pounds. And it has come because I have learned to think like someone who doesn't battle food. 
And it's mm. just that simple because our brains are so remarkable. They'll just rewire so that what we end up wanting is what we need. So go ahead. You, you look like you were going to ask something. <laughs> no, Scott. I'm, just, I'm just intrigued by all that. I was, I was trying to figure out, um, did you have to retrain your mind to like foods that like you? Exactly. You heard exactly correctly. And it's not a question of which food. I was always looking for the magic pill, which is why the book is called Miracle Pill. It's kind of a snarky dig at our notion that um, somehow I can do nothing and have a big giant change. Right. right, that there's a pill I just can take. A, just take a pill, right, right. Right. make you lose weight. Yeah, it's really kind of a dig at that. And so, um, for me, it was it was a more of an issue of learning to think the kinds of thoughts that keep me in balance. And we in society are so programmed for a more intense high, for more extra violence, for more extra stimulus, for something extra sexy. Well, the golden egg is going to sound kind of like a snoozer. It's balance. That when we have exactly what we need, exactly when we need it, in the proportion that we need, how do you think our systems will function? Up optimal level. Yeah, <laughs> which includes our metabolisms, right. which includes our overall health. And it also widens those pathways in our brains that reinforce the idea of balance. So when we come from a place of a real battle and we have obsessions and compulsions around food, and I've worked with so many thousands of clients and some of them don't, are you know, a size zero and you would never know that they battle food, but they hide in their closet at nine o'clock at night and eat an entire package of cookies every night where their kids can't find them. Right. You know, it, it doesn't necessarily always show on the outside, but it very often does. And with me, it mm-hmm. certainly did. And I was looking for that little, that, that one thing I could do, whether it was this diet or that diet or become a bodybuilder or do whatever extreme thing that I thought, which, you know, or we, we live in a culture that really celebrates the newest thing or the most extreme thing. And, you know, here's a bit of a controversial truth. So, you know, I hope your listeners are sitting down, but there's no bad food. Really? You've said, you know, food that likes me. Well, the food that likes me is what I need at that moment nutritionally. And we say, oh, well, you know, sugar is the devil. We, nobody needs sugar. Well, we're programmed to need treats because, and I know this as, you know, it's a scientific fact, okay? Here's how we know it. <laughs> I didn't have to try hard to love brownies. Right. I just came to earth liking it. We're programmed mm-hmm. to like treats. We're also programmed to know when we no longer need them. But in my case and in many cases of my coaching clients, they don't get that message. And we have to retrain our brains so that it does what a normal, healthy person does, which is, yeah, I like pizza. Yeah, I enjoy it. But do I want some right now at 730 in the morning? Well, no, that's not when I want it. But people who struggle with food issues, they're not getting that specificity about when they want it, in what portion they want it. And so that's what we essentially are doing is learning to have conversations with ourselves that widen the pathways to reinforce our bodies kicking back in with um, the honest and true messages of, of what we really prefer. Because I don't really prefer the way I would feel if I ate you know, a whole pizza at 7.30 in the morning. I don't really prefer that. But we think, oh, you know, Aunt Marge's lemon bars are so dang good, I just can't not eat them. <laughs> right. Well, the truth is there's a front end and a back end to tasting. There's that moment it hits my lips and I get the zing, zing, zing of yum, yum, yum. And then there's the back end, you know, the five minutes into it where the butter and the fat and the shortening and it's all hitting me and I'm getting the rich, rich. And then there's the five minutes after when I'm starting to feel that effect in my stomach. And then there's the hour after where 
it, all of that is part of tasting. Well, you said you wanted to have a, a, a you know, you talk to yourself about this or change your, your mindset. I was thinking I need to talk to the man upstairs and explain to him that we need to have uh, our taste buds like things that are better for us, <laughs> more so than the things that aren't good for us. You know, why, why did that happen? I mean, why did you make me like pie and cake and things like that so much? And, and, I'm, and I'm struggling with the, you know, with the vegetables, but I'm, I, I do like vegetables, so, so don't get me wrong. But, but when you go into a convenience store, there is very little out of that entire store that will do you good. You know, it's all stuff that's just convenient and, and yeah. quick. And yeah. and so um, I understand it's it's like, yeah, I want to do these occasionally, have a treat occasionally, but the, our world is programmed so much for the occasionals gone. It's just constant is so what they do. how do we reprogram yeah. our minds? That's an excellent point. Okay. Well, there's a couple of key things. One is that true, the convenience stores are, are full of food that is very low on nutrition right. and very high on saturation of things that are more difficult to process. But it's really important to remember that there are no bad foods. Hmm. Even a Twinkie isn't bad. I just don't need it more than once every 20 years. Which is fortunate because that's the shelf life, right? (laughs) Point is, when we have what we need, it always tastes the best. This is a tender mercy from the guy upstairs. Mm -hmm. For instance, Mm -hmm. if you're dying of thirst in the desert, what tastes the best? A big, thick milkshake or a glass of water? Agua. Yeah. Yeah. When you are dying for a salad, you've been traveling, you haven't had a vegetable in three days. Um, Okay, this is not going to end well. Okay, it's happened to me before. And you're dying for a salad and you get crunchy, mixed, raw vegetables. How does that taste? Divine. (laughs) The truth is, I mean, we can laugh about why doesn't kale taste like a cookie? You know, sure. But the bottom line is when we actually have what we need and we expand our definition of tasting, of what it tastes like from the front end all the way to the back end, then actually... When I need a turkey sandwich for lunch with only one slice of bread, because maybe I had tons of grain already this morning, and that would overload me on grain, and I have exactly what I need in the proportion that I need, it really tastes good. And it really, uh, and it tastes good the moment of, it tastes good in the middle, it tastes good at the end. And you asked that question, Becky, how do we reprogram? We start asking our bodies to give us some feedback. We start expecting that conversation, for instance. I had been on this journey of asking my body to talk to me the way that my girlfriend, who doesn't have any issues with food, the way her body talks to her. And I remember the very moment where I was sitting down. It happened to be my birthday dinner. I was at a very expensive restaurant. And I was sitting down with my husband, and I had ordered this very nice dish of osobuco (laughs) with lemon gremolata sauce. And I was very excited to eat it. And about five bites in, I went, oh, babe, I'm full. And I was devastated. I was like, no, like doing the Anakin. No, right? And I thought to myself, okay, I can override that, which is the status quo from the past and say, well, and give myself that litany of reasons. Well, it's $45 a plate and it's my birthday. And if I stop eating, what will I be doing? Well, he keeps eating and I deserve this and on and on and on, which are actually untrue. Mm-hmm. None of that is as valuable as me feeling really groovy. That's the truth, is I'm worth feeling groovy. And until I buy into that, I will use these rationalizations to support a status quo 
which there's a lot of history. You know, we have coping mechanisms in place to protect us from feeling things and believing things. That's why they're there. They're beautiful. They're compassionate. You know, I didn't choose a coping mechanism of going out and joining a gang and tagging bridges, right? I chose to, to binge eat and, and have bulimia and anorexia and a whole, whole host of other problems. But that was a, ch- a coping mechanism I chose that I thought would just affect me. It's my own private battle. It can't hurt anybody else. But the truth is, in that moment with the osobuco and the gramolata sauce, is that I said, I am done. I am satisfied. I'm at my bliss point. Therefore, this dish does not have any more value. And I asked the server to wrap it up, and it sat in front of me in the box, and I had lovely conversation with my husband, and I swooned because he's really cute. You know John. (laughs) We know John. John. He is adorable. Yeah, I thought you might think that, Scott. And and that, so, so the process of how do you retrain your brain is you start asking your brain to talk to you and tell you, what do I need, and when do I need it, and how much do I need? And we focus a lot on the what, right? Like which foods are good. The bottom line is we kind of just need a whole spectrum of color in the day. It's not rocket science. We don't have to have a PhD in nutrition to be healthy or too bad for all the people the last 200,000 years of human existence, right? (laughs) Right. They managed to get healthy somehow. So I guess it's not a, you know, it's it's not a, a mystery. It's just a basic balance. That if I've had a lot of grain in the morning, I don't have so much the rest of the day. If I've had a lot of fiber and a lot of fruit and vegetable in the middle part of the day, well, I probably am going to have more protein and other things at night. And we just kind of think about each day one at a time as a, as a bubble. Mm. Tell me how weird I am. Um, you said we all need a treat, but I know myself that I overindulge. So if there's a <laughs> plate of cookies there, Becky always tells me, well, just have one cookie, you know, or just have a few bites. Or, or why can't you just have a smaller piece of pie instead of eating the whole pie? But when I crash, what I call crash, come off this pedestal of what I'm going to eat that's healthy, and I change to something that's not, I just overindulge and I eat and I eat and I eat. So now when people hand me a Snickers bar... I say, oh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. And I give it back to him. And I say, (laughs) I know what a Snickers bar tastes like. And I just ran that through my mind. I do. I honestly, this is how weird I am. Okay. I sit there and I think of the piece of pie or or the Snickers bar. And I think, okay, if I ate that right now, I know exactly that sensation I would get, that feeling I would get of what it tastes like. And I call that good and I move on. I, I go there for a minute just in my mind, but not in my mouth. Does that make sense? Completely. And what a beautiful strategy for for managing that so that so that you're never in a place where you completely check out it sounds like and just right. and turn your back to your own self and just say i'm just going to be the gobble monster right and that's what yeah. i do so i just i avoid totally so mm-hmm. you say treat yourself we all need a treat but i just treat myself through my mind instead i don't know if that's healthy or smart or anything like that it's probably <laughs> crazy but I think the litmus test for all things, and when we say, gosh, why did I do that, right? We always can determine that just simply by looking at what it produces. If it produces the desired result and it gives you happiness and peace, then uh, it's a strategy that's effective for you. Right. Um, One of the secret weapons in being able to get the message, even when we're eating fried chicken, uh, M&M cookies, um, buttermilk biscuits, whatever that is, right, for you, your own personal form of heroin, whatever that (laughs) is, um, the secret weapon is projection. And 
we tend, when we go into binge mode, which is kind of the term I'll give to what you're describing, Scott, we tend to turn our backs on our bodies and our messages. And projection requires us to continue to stay, keep that link between our minds and our bodies so that our bodies get to weigh in on stuff. Projection simply means that I project, okay, this is not my first polka. This is not my first time eating a brownie. I know how I'm going to feel after two brownies. I know how I'm going to feel after three, and we start projecting. And then you just ask yourself in that space of truth, is that truly yummy? Or did I go, is that projection, like what you, what you just described, mm-hmm. does that projection take me to the realm of yucky? Because there's a wonderful place of yummy for me. <laughs> I eat chocolate every day. And a couple of squares usually does it. But I can project beyond what that day I need in particular. And if in that day, if I didn't go on a six-mile hike, I probably only need a couple of squares. But if I can project ahead of what that would taste like, and I even work with teenagers. And, you know, teenagers are, are, have enough experience. They can still project. They know what a whole bag of M&Ms is going to make them feel in their mouths and feel in their minds and feel afterward. So projection is a mighty tool, and it also keeps us talking to ourselves and honoring ourselves um, and honoring our preferences, which is, and our preferences really aren't necessarily to escape. Our preferences is to be at peace. Does that make sense? It does. Um, And and you talked about knowing what it's going to make you feel like. I love fruit. And twice this summer, I've stopped at a fruit stand along the side of the road, and I needed something I could just eat right then. And so I got a bag of cherries. And I'm going to save these and, and eat them slowly, right? And <laughs> and probably 15 minutes later, the whole bag's gone. And I know what's coming. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we have a so. common friend. My mother-in-law is their common friend. And right. um, so this is an appropriate moment for me to tell you that Rini's favorite saying is there's no such thing as a constipated bird. <laughs> <laughs> they eat fruit all day long. Yeah. Okay. There you so go. TMI, right? That's where we were going, though. But, you know, I mean, we, we think ahead, but we still do think. Even though that's a healthier food. I don't know. I think there's reasons that different foods do certain things to you, you know, and give you that energy, give you that strength, give you, um, like you said, the fiber, all those things that you need at at different times. It's programmed to be seasonal, too. It's so cool how our bodies are registered to want, you know, citrus in the winter when we get colds and we need more vitamin C and how Mm. when springtime comes on and the, you know, the, the green leafy lettuces we haven't had all season, we're just, our bodies are in need of that. And and all the, from a nutritional standpoint, uh, we are programmed to be eating seasonally and, um, there's really not a bad food, but there certainly are foods that are sustainers that are foundational foods. And they tend to not change, even though the trends in society change, um, you know, eat grain, don't eat grain, eat butter, don't eat butter, eat meat, don't eat meat, eat eggs, don't eat eggs, right? We've all right. fielded those trends. And the bottom line is whole grains, fruits, vegetables, plenty of hydration, proteins when you need it. And I tend to, to need a lot more uh, proteins when it's cold. Right. Much, much less. I want a watermelon for breakfast in the summer. I mean, I, I, yeah, exactly. And if you start to kind of listen to your body, it's very interesting. And different people get different prompts. For instance, back to my mother-in-law, who I just mentioned, she likes her treat at 1030 in the morning. There's, <laughs> that's her clock. But a lot of people tend to need a little something around 330 in the afternoon when the entire world, except for really North America, takes a siesta mm-hmm. because their blood sugar is dipping a little bit and we have a little something sweet and a little coffee or whatever it is that the rest of the world does. But we're, they're responding 
to sort of a natural prompt. And then using that little projection, we can keep from having the whole cake instead of the, you know, the sliver. I love this. And I know our audience is, is asking how they can get in touch with you and how they can learn more. And we mentioned the book, The Miracle Pill, 10 Truths to Healthy, Thin, and Sexy. And can I just reiterate again, there's yes. no pill. There's no <laughs> pill. That's tongue in cheek. It is. This is a beautiful yeah. book. Thank you. I appreciate that. And you're working on another book. Yes. So I'm a chef and a food educator. And the Miracle Pill has a number of my favorite recipes in it. And the most often asked question I have from people is, okay, what should I eat and how do I prepare that? And so Daily Fuel, Global Flavors, Plenty of Plants, No Restrictions, is coming out Mm. in the summer of 2018. We photographed it for a year because I like cookbooks with beautiful photographs, not just that end up glamour shot of the the lovely dish, but the process of, okay, so it really does look brown and gooey at this point, right? And then you see the picture and I I, I enjoy that. So it has hundreds of recipes uh, that are plant-inspired. They fulfill a lot of our basic needs, but there's no restrictions. So there's beautiful desserts and yummy smoothies and all kinds of incredible salads. And because the best food in the world is whatever culture in the world has really accelerated the development of those items, uh, you know, that culture has developed the very best. So you see some beautiful lentil dishes from Mm. India, some gorgeous use of citrus from Vietnam. And so this book is a global book comprised of foods that you can make really out of your basic supermarkets or, you know, or you can get online because you can get anything online. So, so it's doable. And I'm excited for that. I love that. And what is your final words of wisdom to leave with our audience? We don't serve the world by suffering ourselves. We love the idea that I'm going to self-sacrifice and somehow that's going to help my family or my kids or the world. I find it just the opposite. The most selfish thing in the world we can do is, is be in a battle because we're not there. We're not whole. We're not authentic. We're not available. We're using up valuable energy that can be used to do all kinds of awesome things. When I made peace with my body, I went on and had children and wrote a bestseller and started four businesses and had a happy marriage and developed an incredibly fulfilling spiritual life because I had the energy to do so because I wasn't applying it somewhere else. So if you have a private shadow life in whatever category, I would urge people to recognize that it is the most unselfish and compassionate thing in the world to find the strategies for peace and balance in ourselves. Beautiful message. Yes, and what, thank you. what is your website? Treyhatch.com. And that's kind of spelled different. Trey mm-hmm. is actually spelled T as in terrific, R E S as in Sam, like Tress, but it's pronounced Trey. Treyhatch.com. And all the, the details will be in our show notes on lifein22minutes.com. Thank you for honoring us today with your presence and with your, your message. Thanks for listening to Life in 22 Minutes. If you liked what you heard, tell your friends about us and please subscribe to us on iTunes and leave a review. Your review will help us to broaden our audience. Until next time, don't wait for things to be perfect. Get out there and live life with courage, humor, and a whole lot of love.